Welcome to In Transition, a program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. Here's your host, David Pembroke. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to In Transition, the podcast that examines the practice of content communication in government and the public sector. My name's David Pembroke, and thank you for joining me. Today, we head to the United States of America to have a fascinating conversation with someone who has a really interesting background in media and is now using all of those skills and that knowledge and that attitude that she she learned uh, in that experience in media and is now applying it to telling the story of the city of Gilbert in Arizona. So my guest today is Dana Birchman, who is the Chief Digital Officer for the City of Gilbert in Arizona. And interestingly also, in her career, she started off as an intern for Hillary Rodham Clinton way back in 2000 when Hillary Rodham Clinton ran for the US Senate. So we will have a chat about that as well. But she then went on to do her Master's in Journalism and Public Affairs from the American University. And after that, she found herself working at MTV in New York City as a producer and director. She then went on to work for MSNBC, where she was producing segments for the Andrea Mitchell show before it was time to head home to work for the Arizona State University as the media communications and public relations manager. But from there, she's now moved on to become the chief digital officer for the city of Gilbert in Arizona. And she joins me now. Dana, thanks very much for joining me in transition. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. That was such a great introduction. I can't believe I've been all those places and done those things, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> here I am. But it's fantastic, isn't it, that you you bring that really um, deep media experience. And I think anyone who gets onto the, the city of uh, uh, Gilbert channels and starts to look at it, you know, you can see that whoever's in charge of it is is a media person. So it's they're great skills, aren't they, to tell the story of a city? Absolutely. And believe it or not, I'm actually from Gilbert. I grew up here. And um, when I grew up here in the 80s and early 90s, it was a very sleepy, small town. In fact, we were known at once as the hay capital of the world. And now we're one of the fastest growing cities in the country. So it's really exciting because we experienced a lot of growth very quickly and to be a part of that. And it's it's interesting. Um, you know, you did this amazing case study on us here in Gilbert, and I thought you did such a terrific job of kind of highlighting some of the great work that we've been doing. And I always find it fascinating that other cities aren't as quickly as we as we were, I guess, to embrace this whole digital age. And I like to think of it as the rest of the world is doing it this way. And this is how we're communicating with the public um, in normal life, paying bills, maybe through using apps on your phone, uh, the way that we're interacting with people on social media and online. And in Gilbert, we have 250,000 residents and the average age is 32. And 80,000 of our 250,000 residents are school-aged children. So this provides an amazing opportunity and an audience that already embraces digital and we're able to meet them where they are. And I think that's a really important kind of first step is, you know, really evaluating, knowing where your audience is and then figuring out how to meet them there. And that's really what 
we've been able to do. And fortunately, again, because of our demographics, the majority of our residents like to engage with us online. And so this has made it a very cost-effective venture because we've moved away from a lot of the traditional um, mailers, flyers, newsletters, and are focusing more on just engaging digitally and online. And obviously, we're able to save the taxpayers a lot of money when we do that. Mm, interesting. So that's that principle that you're talking about, that, that notion of meeting people where they are. How hard was that to convince the, the leadership within the city that that had to be sort of the first principle about the strategy that you, you started to, to build when you took on the job? Well, that's a terrific question. And it is so crucial to undertake a digital strategy or a roadmap, as I like to call it, without having, you know, it's, it's a very difficult task without having the buy-in from the top down. So ironically, the city manager at the time had come here from a suburb of St. Louis, and he was taking a close look at what New York City was doing, Michael Bloomberg in particular, in the digital space, and and had kind of focused in on creating a digital roadmap and a plan for the city to do a variety of things, including turning payphones into Wi-Fi hotspots, uh, among other things, and, and a social media strategy, and, and focusing, again, on reaching people where they were. And so he was very familiar, our city manager and Gilbert with this. And when he got to Gilbert, he noticed that we had grown very quickly and that we really didn't have a dedicated communications team. We had a public information officer. We had some audio audiovisual techs who pressed buttons at public meetings, very similar to what you'll see in a lot of other cities if you look at their communications departments. And he thought, you know, that doesn't really seem reflective of what Gilbert is and where we're going and our demographics. And so he wanted to create a digital communications department, not a traditional one. And fortunately, at the same time, I had just left New York with my husband and was wondering after all of the great jobs I'd had there, what I was possibly going to do career-wise in Arizona when I saw that they were hiring a chief digital officer. And it was really kind of fortuitous that I saw this and thought, well, that's ironic. I think that I'd be perfect for this job. And what he didn't realize was that I brought a video background to the job, which I think has really been beneficial for us to kind of move away from traditional press releases and look at engaging more through using video content, whether that's short form, long form, live, whatever that looks like. That was a big part of my background and experience that I could bring to the table. And we've really been able to be successful in doing that. For example, we made a video that went viral and was shared by Justin Timberlake. And again, that's not going to happen very often. Uh, and maybe will never happen again for us, but it was a really a moment when we were able to go viral and I was getting called at my desk from people that were looking to retire in Gilbert, Arizona. And so I think that's when you know um, you've been successful mm. when you <laughs> have a video that gets retweeted by a major celebrity to millions of followers. But, um, you know, it was it was ironic because he was looking at creating a digital strategy. It, the timing was perfect. I came into the job and was able to build something that looked very different than what you would see in other cities. And really it's the, it's the people, but then it's the type of position. So we, we have a very lean staff compared to our neighboring cities. In fact, I think I have half of the people that, um, our neighbor uh, has about 18 people on their communication staff, and I have a total of eight. And that includes um, some IT-focused positions and also neighborhood services and community outreach, which is another 
interesting feature in Gilbert where we are focusing on online outreach um, from community outreach, not the old going to neighborhood association meetings and and holding new resident socials with punch and cookies, but really looking at how we can create digital toolkits and use um, social media to provide customer service and engage with our residents there. So I was able to build a team that, again, looked different than what you'll see in other cities. So instead of creating positions like traditional public information officers. I have two digital journalists who do our video production and a lot of storytelling. And, um, and from there, we've just kind of grown over time. And again, having that buy-in from the top down was so crucial to set the vision and the plan. And when I created a digital roadmap, when I started here, I had that signed by the mayor and the city manager. And I think that's a real key. I talked to a lot of my counterparts in other cities, communications directors or whatever that role, similar role may be. And they would, they want to do what we're doing, but oftentimes they don't have the buy-in from the top down and they think they need big budgets or fancy studios and equipment and all of that. And you really don't, um, but you have to be open to change and to thinking about marketing and doing things in a different way. And you have to be willing to adapt quickly because as we all know, technology is changing from when we go to bed at night to when we wake up. And so one day it might be Periscope. The next day it's Facebook live and we're willing to try it. We're willing to fail. We're willing to embrace new technology. And that's a key piece, I think, of our success versus other places, especially in government that are very slow to adapt to change or changing technologies. So in terms of when you you started with the new city administrator and, and they came in and obviously they could see the opportunity, was there a, a, a business plan in place that he or she was able to hand over to you to say, Dana, this is the business plan can you help me tell this story? You know, how did that conversation go? Not really. Again, I think it was, it was, <laughs> to be honest, looking at New York City and saying, hey, can we do this? You know, setting the sights really high. And what I loved about the city manager was he didn't, he never really <laughs> knew Gilbert as a small town. So he never treated us that way. And so it was kind of like, well, here's what New York's doing. Let's do this. <laughs> And maybe that was because I had experience working in New York. He thought that that would be a possibility. And so to be honest, what I did was I called up the chief digital officer in New York City at the time. Her name is Rachel Hote. And I introduced myself and told her that I was planning to model our roadmap and our department after what she was doing. Um, she obviously had much larger budgets and more resources than I had at the time, but um, I was able to really work with her and get to know her and, and kind of figure out where she started. And I think one of the most important pieces, as I mentioned, was getting the buy-in and really having that that message and the notion that we were going to be focusing on engaging in a different way. So we weren't going to be sending monthly newsletters. We weren't going to be sending out press releases. We were going to be looking at doing video news releases and creating engaging content that our audience would want to click on and engage with us with. So um, it was, you know, thinking about things differently. And then when the mayor got on board and 
other people started to see the wins. And what's so beautiful about digital and so powerful, especially when it comes to social media, is when you're able to track your engagement and the analytics and show the success that you've had there, it's really powerful. When you send a mailer to someone, you don't know how often they're checking their mail, if they're really coming back to you because of it. Um, And so when you're able to show those numbers and stats and the analytics behind it, it really makes a strong case and it's hard to argue against. I think that there was a um, an opportunity to rebrand Gilbert again, having long been the hay capital of the world to now wanting to be thought of as a place where new businesses were going to come and expand and open. So we needed to be thinking about not selling ourselves as a small, small, sleepy place to live anymore, but more of a dynamic growing, um, you know, vibrant community that people would want to live and and kind of showcasing that. And so it was a big undertaking. And really we had to start with our website overhaul and, and, and thinking about the brand and creating guidelines for color schemes and how our logo should be used. I mean, all of this, we really had to start at square one. And I think that that roadmap though, really laid out the plan to kind of look for the next five years at, at what that would look like and how, who it would involve and what it would take across the organization and in the community to make that happen. Now, change is always difficult in any organization and not I'm sure there's not everybody was convinced by your enthusiasm, your experience and the fact that, you know, the city of Gilbert was going to model itself on, on New York. I can imagine that uh, the local media, for example, were probably, you know, they want to be the ones who break the news. They don't want the city running the news. I'm sure there are, you know, many people who are happy getting um, mailers in, in their letterboxes. So how did you over, well, was there resistance and how did you overcome it? You are asking all of the the right questions because what was really interesting when I came was that we had media covering us at the time. In fact, I think we had four or five dedicated reporters that were only writing about Gilbert, but they were running into a lot of resistance in the town. They would get, you know, no comment or they couldn't find the right people. They're subject matter experts. And I was really having come from a media background, a believer in they have a job to do. We have a job to do. We need to find out how to work together to get them what they need so we can all be successful. Now I have had people ask me, oh, isn't, you know, is this, you know, all, you know, smoke and mirrors. Are you trying to sell something? Is this propaganda? We've had that asked to us actually. And, you know, my answer to that is what I have found to be so true is that people want to know about their communities. They want to know what their mayor's doing. They want to know what's happening in their cities. They want to understand what's happening at the local level. And with the dwindling media over time, now we have no one covering Gilbert. So ironically, when I came to kind of create this place that would be, you're right, our own digital newsroom, our own internal news organization that we could help to facilitate, get information to media, but that also we could be telling our own story because oftentimes that story was about two very vocal council members who might've said something at the dais that made headlines, but it wasn't really representative, I don't believe, of all of our population. And so trying to be, tell those stories that maybe the media didn't want to cover and uh, maybe some of the stories that weren't, didn't have as much of a more global interest or statewide interest, but maybe had a local interest. So we thought about all of that. And then just having your government be relatable and being able to engage and especially with our fire department and our police department. And over time, 
over the six years, we've watched print media especially uh, really disappear. And unfortunately here we have to beg and plead and we still can't get anyone oftentimes to cover anything really, our events or council meetings. So it went from kind of that combating whatever that image or that message might be to then now we we really, I feel a responsibility. And I think that cities across the country are in the same predicament. And really what we know is that our communities still want to hear from us. They want to know what high school football team is playing in the state championship. They want to know about the new business that's coming to the downtown. They care about their community. They take great pride in their communities. And so what we have done, I think, so successfully is tap in to that community pride and really take our residents who want to showcase all of the great things that are happening here and use them to carry that message across. And that's where social media is really powerful. And, you know, I think that unfortunately, and, and we didn't forecast that this is what was going to happen in the industry. And I, I came from the media industry. So obviously this is something that is, makes me really kind of sad. Um, however, I will say that I think more and more cities need to be aware that they now have this kind of news responsibility. I say storytelling or, you know, whatever that might look like to be able to get that information that their residents want to know out. And a lot of times, depending on your demographics, that is going to still be through some of the more traditional mailers. And believe me, when we have to, um, if it's for an election or we did a special census, things like that, we will still mail, but it costs me $40,000 to send one small postcard with no imagery, just black and white postcard to all of our residents and our households. So it is far more cost effective for me to not be mailing and put paying for postage and printing and all of that, especially when I can't track who's actually checking their mail or if they're reading and following through with anything that I'm sending them. So, you know, really trying to kind of, again, look at the trends and look at how people are absorbing information, how they like to receive information, how they like to pay their bills, and then trying to customize our contact with them and the services we provide to make it easier on them. Okay. There's a few, quite a few things in that, actually. Just going back to that editorial role, and as you say, you know, taking on this responsibility to give the community the information that they are looking for, how do you run the editorial line when, you know, you don't want it to be all about, you know, rainbows and sunshine and, you know, sometimes there's some news that you really, you know, perhaps the city doesn't want to put out, um, but it really has a responsibility to put it out given that you have that, you know, key role in getting people information. So how do you, you know, you're not the media, uh, but at the same time you don't want to be just putting out puff information that no one, is, you know, people will smell if it's, you know, if it's lacking authenticity. So how, how do you run that editorial line, that really difficult editorial line? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think for us, it's about transparency. It's about being honest. We talk about this when it comes to open data quite a bit because we've recently launched an open data portal and we talk about warts and all, the good and the bad. Um, you have to be willing to admit when you fail. You have to be in willing to admit mistakes. Um, one recent example I can think of just yesterday on Twitter, we had a road project that was supposed to be wrapped up 
in April and it's not going to happen. And it's probably going to cause some headache for a lot of the drivers who are on this particular intersection and this roadway every day. And we were just honest about, Hey, this project didn't get done in time. We're sorry. It's going to be inconveniencing you for a bit longer. And we apologize and, you know, appreciate any of the feedback you have. And here's some alternative routes and here's what we're doing to try to expedite this project and really just being transparent and open and honest about what situations we run into. And I think we found that to be really powerful. And I think people appreciate it. Also, what has changed is that they think of us as a source, a new source. What it used to be was a few years ago, even, if something would happen on, on let's say that you were driving down the street and you saw a major car accident. Our residents would likely go look at the local news station. So that ABC ABC or NBC affiliate, right. To find that information because they would have called us or found us and gotten that information and put it out. Now they're not, they, it's not happening even as quickly that the news media is getting that information out because they are so short staffed. And so oftentimes what they'll do is just come to the Gilbert fire and rescue page. I recently had someone tell me that they were wondering why there was a traffic issue and they tweeted at us and we responded immediately. And so that's a change too, that instead of going to and obviously with what's happened in the political landscape in this country, people are a little bit less likely to believe a lot of news sources right now. And so therefore they're uh, really liking to get as close to the source as possible. So they would prefer to hear from the fire department directly about what that incident is. Now, this is not easy to get your fire and police departments to understand that they can't talk like they're in an ambulance. We have a code four at you know, Gilbert Road and Elliot, I'm like, who are you talking to? Are you talking to the media? Are you talking to your audience? So to make that relatable so that people will understand. And, and obviously they get very nervous about that at times because it could be an ongoing investigation. It could be, you know, something that's a current active situation. However, I think it's important to say something. You don't have to say everything. You don't have to compromise your investigation, but you need to acknowledge that there's an incident here. And, and we had some interesting experiences early on with helicopters circling overhead and a police department saying, yeah, well, we're not ready to put any information out. I'm like, well, guess what? They're already reporting overhead that they see that this is happening. They're talking to the neighbors. If we don't put something out, then that that's how the misinformation actually starts to happen. Mm. We're the ones that have the most up-to-date recent information and also access. What we've found in emergency situations, oftentimes there's a media staging area that's very disconnected from the actual work, um, the issues that are going on. Our team has built strong relationships with our emergency personnel and we're able to get access. For example, during a major fire we had recently, our teams were able to get live video of our firefighters being rehydrated that the media wasn't allowed access to. And before long, we had people dropping off water and pizza and food for our firefighters. And, you know, people really love that. And they like to see that behind the scenes. Now, obviously you have to be careful about what you're showing and when, and, and, and work together as a team to be sure that that's fair. But that's just one example of us having access to information a little bit more quickly than even the media does. So the media is actually telling us quite often how much they love us and how great we are at being 
on top of it and getting information out and giving them the content that they need. And so it's turned out to be a really positive working relationship. As I said, they're often understaffed and they appreciate any of the extra help we can provide. In fact, they use a lot of our footage. They use Mm. our video, they use our imagery. Um, It's really interesting to kind of see, especially in print, they'll, they'll embed a lot of the videos that we make and, or sometimes they just copy what we write verbatim and that's fine. Um, But we're really kind of, you know, working in this partnership together. But as I said, our residents might not be able to find that on the local TV channel because they might not be covering it, but they still want to know what's happening in their communities and they can find that on our channels. So on your, just, it's a, a good segue into this notion of channels and the fact that you run 25 um, social media accounts and I'm sure they cover, you know, fire, police and rescue, business development. It could be the dog pound, you know, all of the different mm-hmm. areas um, that cover um, the operation of the city of Gilbert and, you know, meet people uh, at their interest perhaps in the, in how they want to engage and what they want to engage um, with the city around. How have you gone about building capability and confidence in those areas? Because you alluded to it before that, you know, the, I'm, I'm a fireman, I'm not a journalist, you know, it's not my job to be, you know, creating and distributing content. How do you go about building um capability in those areas so as that they are communicating effectively. Yeah, that's that's a great point. In fact, a lot of our public information officer positions in our fire and police departments turn over quite regularly and they are firefighters and police officers that they put in those roles. They're not media experts. So we provide a lot of training. Uh, That relationship is really key. And when they come on, the first thing they do is they know to call us and we are able to get them up and running on social media. And we, we have oversight over all of their channels. And and you said it, it's a variety of things from our parks and recreation to our mayor's channels. And we don't run, we have seven council members, um, elected officials that represent Gilbert. We, we treat the mayor as a spokesperson. So we only run on her channels, and um, that's really effective, effect, an effective way for us to streamline messaging to the mayor's account, um, and it makes it a little bit easier for us. But when it comes to um, social media itself, so it took me three years to get a position approved, a dedicated social media person, and this is a position that you won't see in any other city really in the country, let alone in Arizona. And so this was a foreign concept and we had comments like, well, what's this person going to do? Sit on Twitter all day? That doesn't seem like a job. (laughs) I was like, well, actually this person is going to be in charge of strategy and training. So when you mention um, users, we do have users in other departments that we really train and we will give them a content calendar or work with them. A lot of times you're right. The departments will say, I want to be on Facebook. I want to be on Instagram. It's like, okay, well, what are you going to post again? Who's your audience? You know, what's your message? What are you trying to accomplish? Who are you trying to reach? We ask all those important questions before we go down that road with them. And then what, what is the content? You can't put an admin behind a desk in charge of running your social media when they're not out in the community and in touch. And unfortunately in government, a lot of that nine to five mentality here of clock in, clock out, um, doesn't translate to social media because social media is 24 seven. And when your residents have an issue or a question on Saturday night and they're not being answered or even acknowledged until Monday morning, that's not going to slide. That's not going to fly with your residents. Trust me. Um, no one wants to wait around to be acknowledged on social media anymore. So a lot of times when I tell people that the expectation is that you acknowledge a comment, even if you don't have an answer to it within an hour, they 
almost like fall out of their chair because they're like an hour, like, Oh, well, I don't, I'm not used to, you know, either they're not a personal social media user or they're used to taking a lot of time to answer emails or phone calls. It's like, Nope, that's not the way that the world is work. That's not the way the world works. And so that's not the way that we're going to work. And so we have to do a lot of training to be sure that the right people in the right departments on the right channels are handling social media. And then we keep an eye on it. And so you're totally right. In fact, when there's a major emergency, we actually, my team goes to handle social media so that the police and firefighters can focus on the logistics and getting the information and gathering the information and being sure that, again, the media is staged and so forth. But we take over for social media. And that's been a great way to kind of build that relationship. And they love it. They appreciate it because they're like, look, this is too much. It's too much pressure. I'm not, again, a media person. I'm not a social media person. I don't really know how to speak to my audience. So that's really, really important. And a great reason why a lot of times when, so we were unsuccessful getting a social media position approved the first two tries. So on the second try, I said, okay, well, can I get a contract to outsource this? Because it was something that all of us were doing when we had time. It was an afterthought. And really social media shouldn't be that way because it you don't want to be reactive. You want to be able to be proactive and really focusing on the analytics and thinking about your messaging and looking at what's trending and try to attach yourself to those trends or hashtags or themes that are going on. And you can't do that when you are doing this as just an, another part of your job, right? So on my lunch break, I'm going to go through and I'm going to retweet everything or I'm going to take a quick pass at social media. And that's how we were we're managing it. And, and it, and it's how most people are managing it because they don't have the dedicated resources to it. So we tried to outsource it. And unfortunately for us, it was difficult because we did have so many channels. The person that was managing it didn't really know the voice, didn't understand the content, wasn't in the organization to really say how the mayor would answer a question or, you know, what would the fire department say in this situation? And so it was exhausting because we, by the time we were telling them what to post for us, it's like, we could be posting ourselves, you yeah. know, so it just didn't work. Yeah, and I, I, I totally, agree. I, I'm a firm believer that this capability that you're discussing needs to be embedded and really needs to be on the same floor as the mayor or, you know, the, the, the secretary yeah. of the department or whoever, so as that they have access to this, you know, information. So the team can make judgments about, you know, how they need to respond. And as you say, that tone of voice, and, you know, the the debates and discussions that they're going to be in and that they're not going to be in. But I don't think it's an outsourced function. Yes. And I also think you're spot on about being on the floor in the right department because I think too often websites and social media yeah. get stuck in the IT department, IT, yeah. the technology in the basement. And I feel for these people that I talk to, they're like, oh, I'm in charge of the website and social media. It's like, but okay, you're a yeah. developer for websites, but you're not really a writer or a content creator that wants to be posting on social media. And I see cities do this a lot. And I'm always like, uh, I wouldn't, you know, those are two separate things. But also again, the, the website and, and some of these IT projects that one thing I've noticed is IT folks don't understand marketing. Marketers have a great ability to understand technology. For whatever reason, we can kind of adapt. And so I, I firmly believe that many cities get it wrong by putting 
IT heavy projects in their IT departments. And then, like I said, no, you know, no one's going to use them because they don't know about them because that marketing arm is disconnected. Mm. And so you're right. It has to be in the right place and then also managed by the right people. So we finally were able to make the case, but I'll tell you, like I said, it took three years and I had to show you know, us build our audience over time. I had to show the engagement, a lot of numbers. I mean, really to be honest. So we averaged 28 comments per Facebook post in Gilbert and the national average, the U S average is six comments per Facebook post. So I could show them how many of our residents were really engaging with us, especially on Facebook, cause that's our demographic. And then that was a really powerful way for me to get the buy-in to get the position approved. Fantastic. And so what's next? Oh, what's next? I don't know. Um, so I think there's a lot of things that are next when it you comes to- You sound busy. You sound frighteningly busy. We we are because Gilbert is still growing. So as I mentioned earlier, we're not at build out yet. So we expect to add another 100,000 residents over the next five to 10 years. Wow. And we're really kind of transitioning from a bedroom community to a more business focused community. So we're having a lot of businesses come and open. And so that's changing the what demographics. Sort of, what sort of businesses are coming to the high capital of the world? Yes, this is so exciting. So we actually have um, an area of our city near our freeway, it's, we call it the tech corridor. And we have a um, couple of major technology companies, um, one that I cannot name, um, and a couple that are soon to be announced, but um, big technology firms, okay. uh, consulting firms, um, mostly high-tech, uh, high-wage jobs, which is very exciting. And um, we we do have a big focus on um again, the technology, the healthcare industry. And so we were, when I came here six years ago, we were actually second in line to land a major Apple uh, campus that ended up going to Austin, Texas. So we've been competing with a lot of the big cities for a while, but it's, we need kind of that big win. Um, we're the, we're actually the test market area for Waymo, which is Google self-driving car project. Um, and so we're seeing a lot of these uh, partnerships start to come here. I mean, quality of life, cost of living um, is terrific here. Our schools are fabulous. And we're seeing a lot of interest from um, Chicago and California companies who are looking for maybe a more affordable, sunny and warm place to do business. So more to come on that, definitely, but really a more focus on bringing high-wage jobs and big business to Gilbert. And I, we have some big announcements coming up in May that are, I think, going to really change, put Gilbert on the map for the first time Um maybe ever. So that's, that's really exciting. So we're looking forward to that. Also this whole notion of smart cities, which I'm sure you've heard about, we're really, you know, looking in this space and trying to not just dip our toe in, but kind of jump in and see, you know, what does it mean to be a fully connected city? So every time we're bringing a new business or a new, a new developing a regional park, which we're in the process of doing right now, we want to think about how we can incorporate technology into that again, to make it something that our residents will enjoy engaging with and, um, you know, thinking long-term about how we sustain the amazing growth that we've had, but how do we continue to be um, a best-in-class city for years to come? Yeah, and I think that's the key, isn't it, really, that if if that's the aspiration, if that's what the city has got to do, um, its storytelling capability across all of its channels in all of its forms has to actually match the aspiration because if you, if you don't match the aspiration, you know, there's that, you know, it, it falls away very quickly. So, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, it's... 
it doesn't it, it doesn't surprise me that that's where you're pushing for yourselves, given you know the investment and the the skill that you're bringing to the way that you're presenting your story. And it'd be interesting to know, you know, whether or not or how much you know the the way that you have presented the city through the storytelling over the last few years has influenced some of the decisions that these companies are making. I like to think it really has. I do hear from other people that it has, so that's a good sign. Um, I actually think that it's been powerful to get some feedback from people who have said to us, wow, I never had even heard of Gilbert, Arizona before. I had no idea, which is really amazing. We did have someone recently tell the mayor and I that they can't believe how much, you know, the image of Gilbert has really changed. And so we are seeing that, especially in our downtown, we're seeing a thriving downtown with really hot restaurants coming, um, lots of interesting retail, um, some, cool opportunities for, um, living where you can kind of live and walk to all these hotspots, nightlife. We finally have nightlife for the first time, (laughs) which we've never had. So I think it really is paying off. I think especially to those, that younger demographic, the millennials that are, um, thinking about where they want to live and work and play. And Gilbert is a top place for that. Who would have thought when I grew up here, believe me, I did not see this coming. (laughs) But again, it's it's that storytelling that has got to be the you know it's the the blood that's pumping through the ecosystem that's you know changing people's views that's you know that people are seeing the stories they're seeing the examples and over time, obviously it's changing people's attitudes. So congratulations on all your success. It's it's wonderful you know to see it and it's it's funny I stumbled across. Um, you know, the government gone digital podcast uh, just one day and started to listen to it and then got online, had a bit of a look around and it was just stunning to to see what you're doing there. So congratulations. And I'd encourage anyone with an interest in um, in storytelling in government and the public sector to get online and just have a look and, and see what Dana and the team are doing there with just, I'm staggered that there's only eight people in your team that's being able to pump out as much uh uh, content as you are at the moment, as effectively as you are. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a great case study. So uh, congratulations. Oh. And I, I look forward to coming to the city of Gilbert. I, I generally come to the yes! States. Yeah, I come to the States every year to go to Content Marketing World up in Cleveland. So I think I'm going to come again. I'll, I'll be there this year again. So I think on the way I might, um, I'll give you a call and swing past Gilbert to uh, to come and spend a bit of time with you just to see oh. how... Uh, how things do roll there on a daily basis because that was the next thing I was going to get into but we are going to have to wrap it up because it's, we've gone over time. But And we, we may come back, well, we will come back actually in um, uh, probably in a few months' time. But what I'd really like to get into is is the work process, you know. What what does a day sure. look like? You know, how do you start? Where do people do? What are things, you know, to get right into that nitty-gritty. So I think we'll do that next time on the pod- podcast. But for the moment, Dana, thank you so much for uh, – for joining us in transition, a great conversation, wonderful insights there, so much that people can take away and good luck with, uh, you know, continuing to transform the reputation of the city of Gilbert in Arizona. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. We would be so happy to have you anytime and I'd be thrilled to come back again. Wonderful. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. What a great conversation. What a star. And You know, you can just see it, can't you, that that media background coming out of the big city, coming down, not being sort of blinkered by, okay, well, this is the way we're doing it, but coming in with a big idea, but getting that buy-in from the very early stages, convincing the big picture people that not only... Um, 
is this something that they that they should be doing, but they want to do because of the benefits that they're driving? That's what our leaders are looking for. The leadership are looking for results. And if you can go to the table with the roadmap, you know, with the ideas, with the enthusiasm, with the energy, you can see the sorts of results right there in the city of Gilbert. So fantastic, really great conversation. And when I do go there, I'll go there with my microphone and we'll have a conversation uh, in the city of Gilbert. So there you go. Anyway, Thank thanks you. very much for coming back once again. Ladies and gentlemen, and we'll be back at the same time next week. But for the moment, it's bye for now. You've been listening to In Transition, the program dedicated to the practice of content communication in the public sector. For more, visit us at contentgroup.com.au.